no intro this week. Uh, who has needs for an intro uh, when we can just not do one? Uh, welcome to Mob Rules. My name is John. Joined as always by... Danny. Danny. And because the reason we really didn't do an intro here, and this is a little inside baseball, um, we're going to... Everyone's doing tier lists right now, Danny. It's the cool kid thing to do. Uh, so, insider baseball, like insider trading. So I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm not familiar with that term. I guess. I mean, it might be. I mean, is, or is that, is that like behind the scenes? Is that, the, is that synonymous? <laughs> I mean, absolutely could be. Um, okay. But we here at Mob- I know, I'm legitimately asking. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> then yeah, it's behind the scenes. Um, I would. Well, that's the how I was using it. Whether that's the right use of it or not. No, uh, I don't know. I like honestly, I have no idea. Sorry, I'm not trying to call you out on your grammar, John. It's oh. more like me just being inquisitive and immediately derailing the podcast when I have the opportunity. Amazing. To. Well, that's what we do. That's what we do here, um, <laughs> of course. So, Danny, uh, as you well know, because I've told you nothing about this, uh, Marvels has its own tier system. Um, oh, so we have three different tiers that we rank things on. Um, and I'm going to give you exactly three seconds for each Only uh, three for each army to tell me where they land in the tier system. Uh, All so right, hold on. yeah, can I complain to management? This seems <laughs> like <laughs> your, your complaint has been received and will be dealt with, uh, after this segment. Uh, uh so, right. uh, but on the contractually obligated to finish this segment. So you are too. Yeah. But you, uh, am, yeah. As you know, we're going to roll all Marines into one because they're all the same anyway, and there's very little difference between uh, Dark Angel Blade Guard veterans and White Scar Blade Guard veterans. Uh, as Danny has told me many times <laughs> at length. Um, Death uh, Watch, Blood Angels, who cares? But our system has three tiers. So the one you've seen going around mm-hmm. the web that everyone argues over is like pack, pack minus, pack plus. That's too complicated. That That isn't what we're about. So we, oh, okay. we have three tiers. We have rock, paper, and scissors. Okay. And Danny, you're going to have three seconds uh, to decide if that faction is rock, if that faction is paper, or if that faction is scissors. Because all tier lists uh, are very useful information that isn't just someone's opinion of how things should be. So with that in mind. It's not just our designation. Nope. It yeah. is absolutely not. So, uh, Space Marines, are they rock, paper, or scissors? Uh, paper. No, uh, scissors. Scissors. Oh, man, i got to go with your first answer, unfortunately, which is paper. Uh, we're just going to keep what? on... No, that's not what I wanted. You're <laughs> ruining this for me, John. Uh, that's what I do uh, every week. Uh, scissors of battle. Rock. Uh, and then we have Custodes. Rock. And then we have Mechanicus. Scissors. And then we have Astro Militarum. Paper. And then we have Demons. Uh, paper. And then we have Chaos Space Marines. That's like Chaos Space Marines here. <laughs> okay, we're going to add a fourth tier to CSM. Uh, then Chaos Knights. Oh, scissors. Scissors, okay. And then yeah. we have uh, Craft World Eldar. Paper. And then we have Death Guard. Uh, rock. And then we have Dark Eldar. 
paper. I got to write Drew Carey here, otherwise I'm going to forget what it is. And then we have um, <laughs> Gene Steeler Cult. Paper. Dude, you have so much paper here. You have like tier thing. Uh, Grey Knights. The different space. Scissors. And then we have Harlequins. Scissors. And then we have Imperial Knights. Scissors. And then we have Necrons. So Necrons have no placing as you expired your time limit. They are a terrible army and don't even fit the... Uh... Did, did, did you... You froze to me. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. so we're, we're blaming the internet connection right now for your lack of ability <laughs> to answer sorry, Necrons. The Necrons. Oh, Necrons are rock. Rock, okay. Uh, then yeah. we have sorry, Orcs. I said that immediately. I want you to know. Sure, Orcs. I, I'm sure you did. Orcs. Orcs are paper. Orcs are paper. Uh, and then yeah. we have... There's a lot of armies. Jesus. Um... Tau. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> can that nope. be its own tier? Nope. Tau Just cannot shit. have its own tier. You already used that joke. Oh god. All right. Fine. 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 Tower Rock. Tower Rock. Um, yeah. Thousand Suns. Scissors. Uh, and then we have Tyranids. Tyranids are paper. Tyranids are paper. So, Danny, you completed the tier list. Uh, very. Controversial choices here, I will say. Um, according to you, um, Craftworld Eldar easily beat Sisters, but lose horribly to Grey Knights. Um, and then Tau just cut Mechanicus down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's that's accurate. That and that's happens. that 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 happens. Um so yeah, it's our rock, paper, scissors tier. Um Space Marines obviously lose to Chaos Knights, according to Danny of Mob Rules. Um Space Marines also lose to Harlequins, Thousand Suns. Uh, Chaos, Chaos Space Marines win overall because they are a tier unto themselves, which you didn't specify as being positive or negative. You just said it was their own it's tier. It's actually extremely negative, John. It's actually below all of their tiers. And that's just kidding. Chaos Space Marines aren't that bad. No, Tau really deserve their own right down there in the bottom, bottom of the toilet. For once, the Tau players complaining is correct. Uh, However, you did say that they would easily beat Harlequins, Chaos Knights, Mechanicus, Thousand Suns, Imperial Knights, and Grey Knights (laughs) as Rock Tier beats Scissors Tier, and this was a four-minute setup to say Tau were good. Uh, Danny, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, John! Aside from drowning in tier lists and people reacting to tier lists, how's the last two weeks been for you? I've been pretty good. Been pretty good. Um, uh, I've been doing some hobbying. Um, in so much as that, I built and primed a bunch of models. Um, we had uh. We did our little RTT, which was pretty fun. We did, a little Amen um, Invitational. And I had primed some models for that, so I've been working on... Yep, yep. So I've been working on some models for... Uh, I worked on some models for that, and then I also got the... We got the new Kill Team set. 
And yeah. so I've built and I've started painting the models in that. Yeah, thank you again for that review copy of uh, Kill Team, uh, the new no Kill Team expansion with those amazing Slade 1 models, those beautiful heavy intercessors, um, those two great Space Marine, or the great uh, Space Marine character and that amazing uh, Chronomancer, Phasemancer. Yeah, the Chronomancer. So, Actually, like, all the models are gorgeous, right? Like, they're really nice. And, um, and at least they were upfront about saying that they would all be released individually pretty soon after the Kill Team box as well, so people weren't just, like, tripping over themselves to pick up a $200 box. Right, yeah. It's $160, which is pretty expensive for what you get, I feel like. Um, uh, but um, the kits are really nice, and I'm glad they're good if they're finally coming out. I'm really excited about more Flayed 1 kits, because I really like that kit. It's just a little spindly. Um, I'm also not quite sure why they're on different size bases than Necron Warriors. <laughs> yeah, you said they're on the 28s, right? Yeah, yeah, they're on the little bases. Maybe to squeeze more guys into close combat with all those lovely attacks in our I, I, I guess, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a game benefit. It seems like a strange choice for modeling. I think maybe it's because their arms kind of hang over their bases a lot. Um, or like maybe it's, you can't assemble them. Or maybe it's like Go they're ahead, like sir. we have so many twenty-eight millimeter bases. Bases we thought we were releasing all the Eldar right now. Apparently, we're not. Yeah, unfortunately, what yeah. can we put on twenty-eight mils? Blade ones? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, Game-wise, it does help them in a couple of ways. Again, like you mentioned, a lot more attacks, or easier to get more attacks, potentially. Um, and it also lets them deep strike into a smaller space. Yes. Smaller footprints. Always so, handy yeah. with uh, scrambles and other kinds of objective missions. Oh, yeah, baby. Heck, yeah. What else you got? Um, yeah. Uh, that's I think that's about everything I've been up to. I've been writing a bunch of lists. Uh, I've got some games plan. I've got a game plan for this weekend on TTS. Uh, I'm going to join a TTS GT. Oh, um, so I'm pretty excited about that. We'll see how that goes. Um, probably poorly, um, but uh, as long as you don't use yeah, that, I guess we'll see. Uh, dice dice scripting, and uh, then I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I swear to God, I would I die. I would die happy if I could go another couple days without reading anything about tier lists or um, dice scripting. Um, the sooner we no can get kidding. back to normal, so we can bitch about normal things like water cups and uh, yeah, whether and something being an asshole or whether something has a plasma pistol or not, it would be the day I'm really happy. Just the just normal stuff, just, the, the normal stuff, yeah. None of this inconsequential shit, like complicated dice scripting code to cheat. Um, I want the water nudging back. Water nudge gate. Oh, man. Please. Every day. <laughs> just nudge my cups. Um, I... Whoa, John. Calm, calm down there, buddy. So... I, too, went to this uh, RTT, and I decided I needed every <laughs> advantage that I could possibly get, so I wanted to make sure that my list was 100% painted. Uh, so this past couple of weeks, I've painted up uh, five uh, Plague Marines. I painted up two of the Greater Blight Drones from Forge World. Um, I painted up, uh, I think, three Death Shroud, um, and then the uh, Lord of Contagion with the Man Reaper and the, the Groovy Ball. Uh, and got all of those guys together so I could guarantee I would get at least 10 points every game, which, you know, is always a win. 
And then uh, I, I finished listening to Buried Dagger. That book is uh, made me want to go back and listen to more heresy stuff, which is like the first time I think yeah. I can honestly say that in a while. Uh, it's just a phenomenal book. And the way the writer crafts it um, is, is super good. It's he, he knows you know what's coming. And he really plays with that and kind of drags you along. And you'd be like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. And the way they use uh, the warp and time uh, and Mortarian and Typhon especially uh, was super cool, as well as Malkador, who just is now one of my favorite characters in the Heresy and, and oh, yeah. Siege of Terra. Um, that guy is just terrifying, uh, which is because <laughs> he's an old man with a cloak and occasionally a giant sword he drags into jail cells. Um, Dude. How crazy was it, the reveal, like, and spoilers here, guys, sorry, if you haven't read it, like, give us, like, a few seconds here. Yeah, turn off now, we already got you downloaded, but spoilers. (laughs) Um, uh, The, uh, uh, like, the revelation of, like, the elf, the the Eldari uh, person, the buddy that he keeps around and just keeps killing and resurrecting with trace amounts of DNA. Yep. Um, so he has somebody to confide to. <laughs> well, it's the revelation. It's not so much that. So he, he genetically cloned this Eldar dude to be his servant, but really he tells him all of the messed up stuff he does. And the stuff is so messed up that the guy kills himself. So Malkador just makes him again. He's like, look, I know you killed yourself last time. But I really got to tell you what happened on Titan. I mean, this is like key. So there was this like sisters army and my guys needed extra Grey Knight power. Um, Lots of really cool revelations in that book. And then while we're in spoilers, uh, like the fact that um, Horace programmed a bunch of sisters of silence to say words um, that would only be said in full sentences in front of Malkador as a warning. (laughs) <laughs> or no, it was a trigger for another guy to go all like a naked gun two and a half. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that was super cool. And then Malkador just grabbing a giant space marine sword and slowly murdering um, all of the comatose sisters of silence was, was just, oh yeah, probably don't want to mess with that guy. And like, uh, yeah, that was uh Talos Rubio, right? The librarian. The yeah. Guy. Yeah. The yeah. Ultramarines of the librarian. Uh, that was dope. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, it reminded me, sadly, of the, the scene from Naked Gun 2 and a half, uh, when the watch goes, you know, I must kill the queen. Um, what kind of thing, but it was still a super great book. Amazing scene. I started re- uh, listening to book two of the, I think it's called Gate of Bones, um, the the new series coming from Black Library. That's pretty good so oh, far. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a little jarring. They, they changed the, the narrator. Um, from the old guy, so it's not like old school Doctor Who Gulliman anymore. It's like normal Gulliman, so that was a little jarring. Uh, but I think it's a, a better book overall for it. Uh, but it's very interesting sure. so far. Um, I, I bought some Gene Stealer Cult. I, I felt like branching out, stretching those muscles a little bit. So I bought some quad bikes. Well, and also I watched Hackers, which made me want to buy uh, dirt bikes. <laughs> Wanted to make you go download some RAM. <laughs> <laughs> for sure well because there's like a really aw- well i mean the really awful scene in hackers kind of go hand in hand i think i was talking to tempe from the high lords of terror podcast about it he watches it every year on thanksgiving uh hackers because it's such a <laughs> phenomenal movie but there's like an awful dirt bike scene and then i was just kind of like looking through models to try and get some inspiration because my death guard now i pretty much have three of everything um so i'm like what do i do now uh and then yeah i saw the the italian jackal jackals the, the dirt bikes i'm like i could make them all hackers um 
So yeah, then. The, so the Nauticult Mining Company was born, um, and I'm very excited to kind of go down that road and, and play some TTS, so I can kind of figure out if I want to spend what I can only assume is fifteen thousand dollars on the list that I want to run, because uh, it is yeah. not it is not cheap. seems accurate. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, yeah. So I forgot. I started reading a book too. Um, what? I started reading Penitent. Um, oh, the yeah. new, the next, and the 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 sequel to Pariah from Dan Abnett in the Eisenhorn versus Ravner series. Yeah, it's the Beckman uh, book, right? Dude, yeah, it it's hella good so far. I'm like halfway through. Um, I can't wait to finish it. I think I've been reading like twenty five percent a night. <laughs> And, you know, you say that, but according to you, Thousand Sons are better than Sisters. Uh, so I'm just going to go back to our tier list here. So your opinion, uh, while appreciated, sometimes not the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, uh, there's so much quality coming out of Black Library right now. It's just finding the time for everything. And uh, yeah. I've been using my Audible subscription, please sponsor us, uh, to, like, listen to, like, a lot of the audiobooks. And what I find that makes me do is, like, sometimes I'll get one and I'll get, like, an hour in and I'm like, I don't enjoy this. And I just stop. Sure. But generally the quality is going up and up and up on those guys there. Um, oh, this is going to be the last sound effects because as I lift my arm to go and uh, uh, press buttons and move things, my arm suddenly really hurts a lot. That's cool. Uh, old man stuff. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Yeah. Uh, what else have we been up to? Um, I think that's it. Um, other than the tournament, which I think we want to probably talk about. Heck yeah, we probably want to cover that uh, after this uh, quick commercial okay. break. Um, we will talk about our first really organized event in almost a year. All right. I Let's guess. Wait for it. Earl Hagen was a legend. In 1960, he whistled his way into Hollywood and into our hearts. Decades later, he made a comeback, lending those lustrous lips in the 1980s to such bands as the Scorpions, Guns N' Roses, and Pat Benatar. A half century after his humble beginnings, he's at it again. This time without cumbersome musical accompaniment, he'll have you wetting your whistle and whistling along. His new album, Earl Whistles Disney, is sure to be a hit with all generations. Order now and receive a bonus album, Earl Whistles More Shit, a collection of previously unreleased material of Earl's favorite songs through the years. On this bonus album, he demonstrates his newly mastered technique of inward whistling. Order yours today on compact disc or double-length cassette. Also available at fine retailers such as Walgreens, CVS, and participating Sam Goody stores. Earl Whistles Disney. Buy it today. Oh, man, back by popular demand. Um, by popular demand, I mean like that one guy who, who's asked several times uh, since we last played that one. <laughs> At least it was the whistling commercial. That, that, that's, that's, right. what, that's what I say to that. <laughs> At least. Uh, so for every one of you that hates it, there's point zero zero one of a person who really likes it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm a lot of man, let me tell you. <laughs> Danny, Not just percentage-wise, <laughs> like, but also... <laughs> Danny, you uh, organized a RTT uh, recently. 
Hell yeah. Well, I couldn't have done it. John also helped uh, quite a bit, so I don't want to, like, uh, not talk about your contribution either. But it was really fun. I'm really glad that we got to have a bunch of people out and play play some games. So, Look, I don't want to talk about your contribution, so I won't. I love that. That's great. Uh, real, real good from the person who says that... Um, make, yeah, okay. I'm waiting. Imperial Knights easily beat... Oh, no, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, Gene Sealer Cult easily beat Custodes. It's true. It's true. It's a tier list. Rock, paper, scissors. Sorry, guys. Read them and weep. <laughs> or listen and weep. I don't know. Whatever you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you're already doing that if you've made it this far and you're listening to us. Let's be honest here. So, yeah. yeah. Or you're drinking or something. I don't know. One of those things. <laughs> or both. Or both. It's okay to cry. And why can't, yeah. Why can't it be both? <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. Uh, tell, tell us about the Proluminati T. Well, um, we had eight people plus myself uh, who were going to be in the event, um, but then John was having some uh, some a family emergency to start the event, so he was a little late, and I'll let him get into that uh, if he wants to. Um, and then uh, we also had a, a one last-minute drop where it was like, oh, no. Um or not last minute drop, but like uh, we were afraid the tournament wasn't going to fire, um, and because they had another commitment that day, so uh, we had them on, um, and they just played the first round. Uh, they got to play against me, so that was uh, kind of a rough game um, for them. Sorry, uh, uh, and then so I ended up getting to play. I was normally just going to be there and ref, um, but we had yeah. So it ended up being a strong, a strong. Uh, 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 tournament because then John showed up later and that made the numbers even again. I did, I did. Um, so no, um, it worked out. Uh, I had uh, uh, my children uh, were uh, as of the start of the week awaiting the results of a COVID test, uh, and obviously being a close contact, I don't want to suddenly show up at a tournament where we're trying to show how we can do this la- safely uh, when I should be. Oh isolating. yeah, we should talk about that too. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I uh, at the eleventh hour got the notification that I was clear to go. But yeah, it was a COVID yeah, safe tournament, which was dope. Yeah, we uh, uh, we required uh, hand washing or, or sanitizing in between rounds and or trips out of the store. There was there was a mask wearing policy within the store at all times. Um, you couldn't even like you know pull, pull down and take a sip of water. You had to exit the store in order to do something uh, like that. Actually, I think it was required that you went totally outside the store because there's they didn't let people without masks on in the hallway either. Nope, yep, completely um, outside, which, you know, uh, February in Alaska. Yeah, so it was brisk, um, needless to say. <laughs> that water was refreshing. <laughs> um, and so uh, there was also no eating on premises, of course, except for outside. And then uh, we also took temperatures and had people complete a questionnaire, um, a verbal confirmation of a questionnaire for uh, COVID symptoms as well, as provided by the CDC. Um, so we tried to check all our boxes. We tried to make sure we were doing everything right. We socially distanced while inside as well. And there was, uh, strictly prohibited it to take your mask off at any time during the event. Instant disqualification. Um, so, yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was awesome though, man. It was so good to see everybody. 
It really was. And play some games with 40k. Yeah. And I think that was something uh, we were all talking about, right? Was it wasn't the fact that who was like winning or losing or who was playing. It was just the fact that there was like eight of us in a room together. Um, I know. Just shooting the ship. Well, yeah. And then Josh brought me some, some rye to try in the parking lot. Um, and normally when a stranger lures you out to his car to have a drink. You're um, all for you it, know, but it's Josh. Bump, so you have to think about it because it's Josh. <laughs> oh yeah but uh no yeah i didn't even have to do anything for it so i (laughs) so i got a nice uh a nice tumbler full of rye oh my god it was angel's envy it was so good like just tasted like uh, heaven i think my favorite thing about this is josh who has played um one game of ninth edition <laughs> yeah in the last three years i think he's played four games of warhammer in the last four or five years um it's not been it's not been many just wrecked face and was entirely confused about the entire thing <laughs> uh, yeah like why are you guys letting me do this <laughs> He like he came down from the mountain like Adam of old, and uh, just smote all of his opponents so hard. His first round opponent, like after the second turn, just quit. He's like, I concede. Uh, there's no point in me playing the rest of this game. I have zero points. <laughs> like yep. he got almost totally tabled by turn two. And we were like talking so, to him. And we were talking to him, and we were like, No, man, you can do this or this. He was like, Nope. And then like everything we tried to math out with him um, didn't work out. Like at nope. all, uh, yeah. That was a mean little Custodes list. So, yeah, Custodes good. That's why they're uh, uh, rocked here. Oh, you remembered. Good job. However, they <laughs> they do lose hard to Thousand Suns and Mechanicus. It's true. It's true. That's the. I actually think tier. they do lose hard to those factions. The, I, you know, but I think there's something favorite. to the rock paper scissors here. I think I'll post the hey, rock paper. I'm gonna People. post. This rock, paper, scissors tier for everyone to see. And then, like, we'll let people argue over this. And, like, I think on Comp 40K, without comment, it's going to be, like, rock tier, paper tier, scissors tier. And then just chaos see. Kill kill space green tier. And see how many episodes of content I can generate off of that post. Um, Please do. This will be the best running joke of all time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, tell us. So round one was a bit of a blowout for you. Uh, round one was a bit of yeah, a. I played against Necrons. Oh. Both, I both know that army pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you played Necrons once or twice. Uh, as my I was friend. also playing Necrons, so <laughs> fair, real fair. Uh, and then so round two, uh, who was lucky enough to draw against you? Uh, God, who did I play round two? I thought I was going to have to play you. You did. Um, and then um, I, you ended up dodging the bullet. Yeah, you ended up playing Joe nice and his knights. I played Joe and his chaos knights, yeah. Um, so Joe had four big chaos knights. Um, he had, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was a knight tyrant with a conflagration cannon harpoon launcher. Um, and then he had... Uh, Two battle cannon, uh, Avenger Gatling cannon despoilers, and one close combat despoiler. Um, so I mean, it was four nights, right? Yeah, 
but I did manage to I managed I, I kept him to five primary points the entire game. Um, so uh, he had he 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 was so screwed up. I was like running like individual scarabs up and uh, uh, like taking objectives from him because they had obsec and it was just like yeah sorry yeah no, you're not getting this objective. This doesn't um, make sense. Though, I killed one knight with an exploding scarab. Imperial Knights, oh, Scissors tier, uh, Necrons, Rock tier. You should have, like, had the floor wiped with you. Well, wait. Rock beats Scissors, dude. Oh, dang. Look at you schooling me on the rules of the game. I, you just... <laughs> you need... <laughs> um, Chaos Space Marines just narrowly loses to everyone else. That's their kind of thing. <laughs> like... <laughs> anyway, um... So yeah, I was really able to maximize. I, I think I max. I think I maxed out primary on turn five, on turn four. So like, I didn't even have to get primary turn five. I just had to deny him from getting it for the rest of the game, and he only got five points. But my army was almost completely wiped out because Chaos Knights still kill shit. Uh, quite and well. I only killed two of them. Yep. However, none of it is really opsec, uh, which your entire army is at least yep. single opsec. Some of it double. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, oh, by the way, I'm playing Necrons, as you couldn't tell. Uh, I have uh, a Double Patrol plus Silent King. Um, it's got a Technomancer, a Psychomancer, two units of 10 Immortals, um, a unit of 10 Deathmarks, a unit of 10 Tripratorians, two units of 9 Scarabs, one unit of 3 Scarabs, and then two individual Goss Destructor he uh, Locust Destroyers, or Heavy Locust Destroyers, and a unit of 2 with the uh, disintegrator cannons or whatever they have, the the blast and then annihilator or whatever they have, the other gun. So, um, yeah. So I won the game pretty handily. <laughs> I've used the terrain rules pretty bad. I think it was like 80, 80 something to like twenty or so, or something like that. It's a twenty point victory if you use bad rules like WTC rules. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was over 50 points. Uh, I, for for my round, played against uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor Preeson, who has been on here before uh, talking about uh, Warhammer Horror very passionately. Um, and he was playing uh, Sisters of Battle, Pure Sisters, uh, which is the first time I think I played uh, against a Pure Sisters list in Ninth edition. Um, and it was uh, super interesting. I was uh, running my Death Guard. I had, like... Um, Three units of three death shroud. I had the the gloaming blow Lord of Contagion, like a malignant playcaster. At a typhus, uh, about fifty five uh, pox walkers, couple of drones, um, and really kind of. I, I ended up winning the game. It was a very close game until it wasn't. Um, it was um, the tactic of the day was just score as much points as I can as early as possible, and then hope that my opponent doesn't overtake me when I lose my entire army. Um, and that happened this game. Uh, I lost pretty much my entire army. Um, those repents are nasty. Oh my god, they they punch so much above their weight. Oh, they really do. And it's, so they took out like they were taking out pox walkers, um, plague marines. Oh, I had plague marines all over the place too. But what really won me the game was obsec, and I think that was a theme for yeah. both of our rounds. Um, was. Uh, a couple of really cool plays I was able to do. I, I charged a um, foul blight spawn, so he was in range to uh, make Junith, um, the the floaty uh, sisters of battle character, 
Um, mm-hmm. Not count as charging. Um, uh, Taylor decided to activate the sister squad to try and wipe the Poxwalkers. Uh, one Poxwalker survived, but I managed to kill Junith out of combat, and because of the foul blight spawn, she doesn't count as charging, so she couldn't consolidate. Um, so yeah. that one Poxwalker who was left on the objective uh, with two squads ended up holding that and scoring me like 15 points that turn, um, which was just mm, super cool. Um, and then. Yeah, really, Death Shroud did their job of just having everything in the army, uh, in Taylor's army, fire at them while Pox Walkers and Plague Marines held objectives. Uh, and it was kind of really right. nice to see that come together where, like, Death Shroud have this great reputation for being, like, super tough and super strong in combat. So people tend to focus in on them. And if you, like, put them in cover, if you make them harder to hit, they, they take a lot to go down. Um, and, like, the weight of fire that was put into them meant I could pretty much. Um, move my plague marines and my pox walkers around. The only like gummy in the works that had me really worried was those repentia, because sure. anything they touched, uh, and they mainly touched uh, objective secure units, just wiped out in one turn. Uh, and it was really like, again, have I scored enough to win this game? Um, and I did. Uh, so very barely, it was I think uh, eighty eight sixty seven or something like that. Man, and then like that, like instantly without like a 10 minute gap in between, we're, we're still talking about my game two with uh, Taylor. Um, I will say Taylor uh, did an amazing job p- uh, picking secondaries. He had uh, deploy scramblers, engage in all fronts while we stand, we fight. Uh, great uh, choices for his sister's army. Um, he got like, I think, 36 points in secondaries from that. Wow. Um, whereas my, I got 25 points on secondaries for mine. I, I had uh, spread the sickness, uh, engage in all fronts, and vital ground, which was the, the mission-specific one. Uh, vital ground scored really well for me. Like I really like that mission. And I think, honestly, I think that's the mission me and you have played the most, right, Danny? So many times. So many times we played that mission. Um, but it's really what won me the game was I maxed primary. I got 45 for primary, uh, and Taylor only got 30. Um, and really by the time that he was able to make a dent up the table because all my objectives secured was dead, um, he didn't have enough time to actually do anything with it. So that worked out really well. I won 80, 66. Uh, that was a great score for me cause I got 10 points for being battle ready. Uh, Taylor did not. And I kind of liked that. I still won, even though, um, I had my, my battle ready points. Cause I feel, I think it would have been a bigger feels bad. Um, if I only won, uh, because of the battle ready points. Right. Uh, yeah. So after that, we are both. No, like that's really close. Yeah, it was a re- and it was a great game. And like honestly, I always have great games with Taylor. Um, <laughs> like round five, when he's like, "Nope, yep, I can't catch up. Good, yep, fine." Uh, and then it was like like typical like uh, I like to call it like negative positive Taylor, <laughs> but it was a a super good time. Uh, so yeah, we both go into run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we both go into round three. Uh, I'm like, well, shit, now I'm going to get paired against Danny, uh, who's like the only person who I've played in the last year who who isn't, who is at this tournament, will end up against each other again. <laughs> yeah, but no, you got snaked out by Josh Big Dick Neal. Like, Coming in with Custodes with his two games of experience just wrecking people. <laughs> so, yeah, he trashed uh, Nate the round before. Not trashed. He, he beat Nate pretty hard. Um, and then, 
and then going into round three, it ended up being me because I scored higher than John in my last victory. I got 88 points to, uh, what was it, 70? Uh, I got 80. Yep. Um, and so I ended up playing Josh, uh, and uh, John, you ended up playing Nate. I did end up playing Nate. I got paired down that last round because uh, Nate did really, really well first round. Uh, got kneeled on the second round. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah. So so tell us about your game about Josh. I don't really play 40K anymore. Why am I 2-0, Neil? <laughs> um, Josh has, uh, he had a custodes list. It was like, uh, a couple units of three guys with spears, a couple units of three guys, the Sagittarium Guard with the heavy bolters, um, a unit of five Venatari, which are the Hawkmen, uh, a Telamon with Penitent, uh, uh, with Eternal Penitent. He had the the Fridge Captain Commander with the three plus involve, five plus feel no pain, five up feel no pain, and, a th- and the... Uh, like victor of the blood games like he was on eight or nine wounds or eight wounds or however many wounds he has like some ridiculous number i will say i don't think josh actually consumes any 40k content like he naturally looked at that book and was like yeah this seems pretty okay yeah and guess what it was oh and the five terminators or whatever those guys were The, the aqualons yeah so um yeah, uh, I kind of just moved up the center of the table and just took objectives from him by either killing the guys off or out opsecking him. Um, as I moved away from his deep strikers, because he deep struck kind of close to the edge of my deployment zone, and I was, like, moving away. So eventually he killed pretty much everything on my side of the table, um, except for, like, a few, few things. And uh, I just managed to stay on objectives better. Um, and I think I picked a little bit better secondaries, um, uh, then Josh, um, I don't remember what, ex- what, what ones I picked exactly, but they were, but they were good. Yeah. And they were better. Yeah. I think I picked grind them down. Um, and, uh, uh, that was not a good pick for me actually, because Josh ended up getting grind them down, uh, three turns and I only got it two turns. So yeah, he, he killed the silent King close combat, um, uh, with, with the Terminators, they walked in and did like, I don't know, like 12 wounds or something like that, just out of him, um, which was the painful. (laughs) (laughs) And they just wouldn't die. There was one left on one wound, and I tried to shoot him with Immortalist, and Josh was like, okay, I'm going to spend all the command points to make sure he doesn't die. You're like, you dick. (laughs) So, I think he spent four command points on making sure that Terminator lived. Which, worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it ended up being huge. I bet that, that one Terminator scored him like 10 points. Not yeah. maybe five points, but that was still pretty big. But very close game. Uh, and he took the big Daddy King down. Um, and then, yeah, uh, a victory for Danny. And then it moved on to me, who was uh, playing against Nate. Nate was running Ultramarines. Um, he had um, Gulliman. He had like two squads of five Plasma Scepters. Uh, you know, the the Apothecary, who can bring them all back for zero CP, um, and just some Eliminators, uh, and just kind of the typical Space Marine shenanigans. Uh, he had the, you know, the squad that could, you know, move in, uh, get the scrambles, and then pull out again immediately. 
And it was the mission where uh, if you touched the objective, you held it until someone uh, else held it. Um, so his list was really suited to that because it was really mobile. He could move stuff around super easy. Um, so the first turn, he was able to kind of get a, a few objectives. So like he uh, actually controlled more turn two. Um, and he ended with uh, 40 points for primary. Um, sadly, I had a lot of objectives secured, uh, and I distracted very well with Death Shroud, uh, so I scored 45 for primary. Um, nice. Uh, because, again, it's like Death Shroud, it's, it's kind of like you have to deal with them, um, but they take a lot to deal with. Um, and I'm playing Orcs, uh, I'm playing Hordes. Uh, it doesn't really bother me when stuff dies, which I think is like a large mental block for people. Um, when like they start removing all of these models from the table, like there was a moment uh, Nate moved his Vanguard vets, yeah, like two squads of Claw Vanguard vets, and he like he charged them into Poxwalkers, and like the Poxwalkers all died, and I'm like, oh, okay, that absolutely makes sense that a bunch of Lightning Claw Vanguard vets just destroy Poxwalkers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see that happening. Um, I uh, engage like my secondaries. I just I did really well this game. Um. I did direct assault, which was the mission specific one, and I think just playing you so much has made me really look at the mission specific secondaries because uh, a lot of them are really good. And even in list construction, I'm looking at like the mission specific ones. Um, so I maxed out direct assault. Nice, yeah, that's a good one. Um, which is a really good one for for the mission we did, which was sweeping clear. Um, and then spread the sickness. I ended up with uh, four of the objectives being uh, puked on. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was it was super good. Uh, and that came from just weird shenanigans I was able to do and just clearing clearing off of objectives because when you choose spread the sickness, like, and being able to go second in this game as well was, like, huge for me because I had to clear them off objectives. Um, all of my stuff was Mortarian's Anvil, so I could consolidate into stuff and I could heroically intervene into things to clear them off objectives so I could, like, end up puking on objectives. Um, and, yeah, so I managed to get... Uh, 12 for that, and I got 13 for engaging all fronts. Because, uh, again, like that that sweeping clear where it's that table quarter, it's really easy to, to move out and get yourself in every single table quarter, uh, more so like than the hammer and anvil and kind of things like that there. Um, Nate, uh, he did really well. He got eight points for engaging all fronts. Again, once I start going, and I don't want you in a table quarter with the Death Shroud and the uh, Lord of Contagion and all this stuff I can bring to bear, I can get... Space Marines off a table quarter pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, Oath of Moment, I held him to 10 points for that, which I think goes to show like uh, some real good resilience for Death Shroud or Death Guard even, but, but still, yeah, Death Shroud. And then, of course, you got the Ploy Scramblers because when you take a Space Marine list and you have the guys who can drop in, drop out, go wherever the hell he wants to go, um, you kind of have to resign yourself or to be like, do I want to hold objectives and score primary or do I want to, you know, lose 10, 10 points for Scramblers? Uh so I lost 10 points for Scramblers. Uh, and then for the Plasma Scepters, I just kind of ignored them, if I'm being honest with you. Like, I, I charged them with Spawn. Um, I, I realized that if they were going to charge me, uh, stuff was going to die. If they are going to shoot at me, stuff was going to die. Really, my main goal was staying out of Tigerius's deny range uh, while also keeping uh, my Lord of Contagion within gloaming bloat range. Uh, because taking away his ability to reroll hits, reroll wounds, meant he never overcharged. And also being Death Guard, because you're minus one damage anyway. Uh, but like he, So he never really overcharged. Um, and just taking away the ability to reroll hits and wounds is just so great. 
Um, especially with Space Marines, uh, where that entire list is built around like G Man and Lieutenants and, and everything allowing these rerolls. Uh, just being like, nah, uh, it makes it super, super powerful. Um, I took Gullum and Dental one wound. I didn't actually kill him. Uh, I'm a little sad about that. Um, what was that? I said, that's too bad. I haven't played against him in actually a long time. Yeah. Like, he was pretty, like, for me, it was a three up invuln. Because then, like, I have the. And, like, for me, I'm like, well, I'm just going to do the sweep attacks with the Dash Shroud because it's a three up invuln. So it doesn't really matter what I do. And, like, honestly, like, this was the game that made me, like, relook at my Death Guard list and that made me, like, find space for the Biologist Putrefire. Because just having nothing they can deal with that three up invuln was just awful. But I will say they did that Death Shroud did keep Gulliman locked up in combat for like two turns, like two game rounds. Um, so just some like really good dice rolling on my part for that there. Um, but I ended up winning that game 95 78. Um, it was a really high scoring game for me. Yeah, that was that's huge. Um, and yeah, just it was it was a lot of fun. I haven't played Nate in a while. And again, just the general event was like great times. It was really fun. I'm really glad we got to do it. Hopefully again soon. Now that I'm halfway to being uh, unable to be hospitalized from COVID. <laughs> well, let's not let's not say unable. Let's just say less likely to be. Very unlikely to be. Um, yeah, absolutely. But no, it was a blast, and it really made me miss um, going to tournaments. Um, and you know what else made me miss going to tournaments, Danny? What's that? We were on Chapter Tactics uh, last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, we sure were. We sure were. It was it was uh, my one and only time on, on a Frontline Gaming Network uh, uh, podcast. You're a perma band, is that what you're saying? <laughs> or like, yeah, the why, why did we invite that one? Um, but yeah, we were talking about how to have fun at tournaments, or at least we thought we were talking about how to have fun in tournaments. We talked about a lot of things, Joe. <laughs> That's fair. Val is, is very distracting. And next episode, uh, we'll, we'll be having Val on to, to help us. Uh, probably not talk about 40k at all before we get derailed really quickly um yeah we we talked about uh what to really like some just good tournament stories that we had and kind of what to expect from a 40k thing and and it was really fun um watching the dynamic of val constantly continue to derail with us and pablo consistently trying to pull it back uh and yeah normally goes on that show usually pablo derails and everybody else has to back but we successfully derailed that show we we flipped the the system we we uh it was it was amazing <laughs> so yeah if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to Aphis for fun uh episode of chapter tactics uh and oh uh, the important thing to realize is uh we made pablo um say that he would refund anyone's entrance fee to any itc tournament as long as they sing him a, sh- a sea shanty explaining why they were unhappy with the event. Yep. So uh, just start writing shanties about all the tournaments that you go to and make sure to approach him next LVO and uh, sing right in his face. Don't give him any warning. He doesn't. He he know he knew what he was. He knew what he was. Yeah. For, so and he loves sea shanties. Like like just you know that he does. You can look at Pablo. And immediately can tell he's just... And I think the important thing to remember as well is um, you should wait until he's making some, like, real clutch dice rolls and just, like, sneak from behind and just start yelling at him. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, don't limit yourself to LVO. Find Pablo any turn. Local RTT, 
approach him at Frontline Gaming's headquarters, like in the parking lot, and just start seeing a, a sea shanty. Just hang out at a Wendy's in Nevada, and chances are you'll bag a rhino. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I won't be invited back, Danny, because I actually stopped the entire podcast dead, and, and I think I said, I'm sorry, did you say bag a rhino? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was something you don't talk about even with your friends. I know, right? What's wrong? Chapter Tactics showed me. So. Well, yeah. Uh, and if you see Danny, get ready to clip an eagle. Uh, that's what you do to eagles, right? Clip them? Yeah, you clip their wings so they can't soar anymore. Is that is that what you tried to do to me with this fucking employment contract with Mobrolis? <laughs> yeah, employment is a strong term. It's at will employment, like at my will. <laughs> Can I be fired at will? Is that how it goes? <laughs> no, you're hired at will. Uh, so yeah, you bag a rhino when you beat Pablo. Uh, yeah. You clip an eagle's wings when you beat Danny. And you achieve an expected result when you beat me. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for beating me, you asshole. You've just ruined all of my chances. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Ennis will be joining us um, with his now named segment. Yeah. What was this? Was this butt stuff with Ennis? Or- <laughs> no, that's well, that was my second favorite name for the segment now. Um, he named it uh, Lo-Fi Beats to Get Good To uh, due to my amazing music choice and his uh, like aberration of butt stuff. Um, but we will be right back with some lo-fi beats to get good to. Do you like cookies but want something more British? Buy biscuits. Not like those you have for gravy. British biscuits. For dunking in your British tea. Stiff upper lip guaranteed. Biscuits. As recommended by Queen Liz of the Britons. Welcome to Lo-Fi Beats to Get Good To with Innis Wilson. The only place where I don't choose the music, but I do choose the topic. This week, I'm going to be talking about content creators and their biases and perspectives and how you can use that to your advantage when consuming the things they create. Now, when I say biases, I obviously don't want to say that in any kind of negative perspective. All I'm meaning is, everybody comes to the table with their own perspective on things, on the way 40k should be played and the way that they play 40k based on their history, their expectations and their understanding. And that's not the same for anybody in the entire world and that is fantastic it's one of the best things about 40k is that you can take two people who are playing the same codex and who have the same knowledge and everything like that and they can both look at the same book and they can both pull out something completely different from it in a way that fits their playstyle. and that is probably the most incredible thing is how much diversity there can be even from some limited pools like the harlequins codex it's also important to understand however that those biases perspectives and history come into play when you're looking at anything new for the first time or you're trying to analyze things as they currently stand or whether that's looking at a list or trying to make a tier list none of these people are wrong they're just making decisions based on their perspective and that's the important thing that i want to get across here is that your perspective on the game isn't going to match up exactly with any content creator you're going to have your own local meta your own wider meta your own play style Everything like that is going to inform what works for you. 
and content creators are going to be doing what works for them. So how do you actually get the most out of a content creator? Because it's very easy to just look at what Art of War are playing on stream or or you can look at what Goonhammer have written in their most recent article about the competitive format or your specific army. But none of those are going to match up perfectly to what you said. So understanding the biases and perspectives of the people who are creating that content will allow you to make the most of it. Because you can take your playstyle, whether that's aggressive, defensive, playing against or playing with an army, and you can find content creators who are doing the same thing. So a content creator who is playing an army and reviews that army is probably going to be looking at things that fit their current playstyle. And they're going to be probably very either hot or very cold on units based on whether they fit with their style. Whereas when you're looking against an army, you're going to be either dismissing something that's completely useless because it doesn't handle what you're playing well, or it's going to be amazing because it deals with you. And obviously there's nuance to that, there's scales to that. But when I look at a codex that I'm not going to be playing, I'm looking at what do I need to change to deal with this, rather than what do I need to... Uh, what am I looking at this that's powerful in this codex? I'm looking at that as well because I want to know what I'm expecting to see, but my perspective on it is going to be drastically different to somebody who's looking at that codex with the intent of how do I break this to play it. And that understanding will allow you to try and match your perspective up to the content creators. In the same way that you wouldn't look at a Michelin star food reviewer to review your local uh, pub or takeaway, you're going to look at like the Google reviews because, well, that's what people who are more relevant to you are doing. You don't really care whether it's a fine dining experience, you care whether it's really good and really greasy. Um, and that's all I'm really saying here is that you need to understand the biases of people that are coming into it and either look for people who've got the same biases to you so that you can try to get the same perspectives and where your perspectives don't necessarily align you can try to look am i right and are they right maybe they've missed something maybe i've missed something and that will help you fill in the gaps in your own knowledge versus a content creator who doesn't necessarily play what you're playing where you can look at what is it they're actually worried about when they're playing against my faction why am i not doing that why is it that everybody thinks that my faction beats this uh, my army beats this army but I don't find that an experience. Am I doing something wrong? Are my local players just doing something completely different to what the meta is expecting? And having that perspective on things will allow you to really dive deep into your own style and try to find areas where you're maybe doing better than you should be and whether you can continue to exploit that or whether you're having like holes in your gameplay or your knowledge where you could definitely fill that in to make sure that you're becoming a more well-rounded and full, complete player. And the base, the basis part of that is understanding every content creator has their own perspective on things and that you can look at what that is. You can, you can look at what John and Danny think about 40k and apply that to their codex reviews. If they say something's great, it's probably great against what they're playing or it's great because it's what they play. And if you know that, you can get a lot more power and a lot more out of reviews than you would otherwise just by taking it on face value. Back to you, John and Danny. Thank you very much. Oh man, whatever Ennis just talked about, which we absolutely listened to and edited together before recording this, was just next level. All right, so in a bout of extreme professionalism, I thought we were just recording when we were discussing what we were going to record next. So now now we are going to be talking about ways to differentiate units, right, John? <laughs> For sure. Well, we weren't, we weren't recording before. We only started recording when I started speaking again, uh, as is tradition. 
So we, we missed all that other stuff. Um, but what I wanted to talk about, again, again based off of uh, my last tournament experience, is something I call Make Your Mark, uh, which is ways to differentiate your units in the game. Um, this comes from the fact that the list I was running, uh, the RTT that I was at, had um, like three different unit types. Uh, so it was just Plague Marines, Death Shroud, and Pox Walkers. Um, and they only really work if they're really close together, intermingled. Uh, Danny, I know you have like your scarabs and everything like that. They only work really if they're close together, intermingled. Um, how do you be a bro and let your opponent know which unit's which? What are some like really good practical ways of marking your units as different? So, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways. So either you can physically your units or make markers for your units so it's easier to see which which unit is which um so something that i do or have done for a long time is when i start moving the unit or deploying the unit i'll face them all in one direction um so that my opponent can see exactly like so i'll face one forward one left one right one backwards and so that lets me have three of the same unit that are relatively the same close to each other and my opponent can easily determine which unit is which based on the direction that they're facing um then of course you can do things like unit markings right like where you can actually mark your unit like with a different folder pad or a squad number that makes it pretty easy not really characterful though on some units like scarabs for instance um this is my blue dot scarabs this is my red dot scarabs yeah, exactly. These ones are a little blue, these ones grow red. But who wants to have your army a bunch of different colors? I sure don't. That sounds like it sucks. So another thing that you can do, uh, which also sucks, is to paint the rim of your bases. <laughs> Excuse you. Look, uh, unless it's black or brown. Like, I think it looks like, no offense, John. No, none taken. John's, John's army, which has purple rim bases. Sorry. Um, but, like, uh, I like the... I kind of like it to either be like a frame for the miniature when I see it. So I don't like to paint my bases different colors, but you know, different, different strokes for different folks. Right. So they can paint whatever colors they want on bases to make sure that their bases are differentiate their units. So they could have a red unit, blue unit, yellow unit, whatever. And for me, like I started painting my rims, like a bright, like army color. Um, when I was playing Phil of glacial geek fame, um, and I was, uh, he was, uh, filming some bat reps with me and they were really easy ways for the models to stand out. Um, so I would paint, uh, the army color around the bases of everything. And then as it, I got older and as we moved on, it made it really easy for me to see where models were. Um, there are too many times have Pox walkers been left behind in ruins because I haven't seen their base. <laughs> You don't know where each Foxwalker is at any given time, John? Hell no, man. I have 60 of them, though. I barely move them sometimes. <laughs> like, my, my last turn in my game against Nate, um, I, I said to him, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my turn. And I took a sip, or, like, I, I kind of stood back. I was going to say take a sip because I'm about to take a sip. Um, but I kind of stood back. I'm like, that's my turn. I win. That was, like, the second most satisfying thing I've ever said at a table in Warhammer. <laughs> Just not having to do anything? Nope. Because I didn't have to. That's pretty cool. I'd already figured out what Danny scored in game two, in game three. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, uh, other things that you can do, uh, squad marks are a popular option. Uh, they actually look pretty good. Uh, I like this look, and I would probably not paint them all one solid color. I'd probably, see, look at me. I'm just, I'm such a fucking hipster over here. Like, <laughs> paint like a symbol or like a combination of colors that match my army 
Um, so I have squad marks and that's, that's mainly what I use for all my stuff. Um, the reason I like them, um, over things like, okay, one, I hate the loom bands with a passion. I know this was like a big um, thing a few years ago, but putting like a little rubber band over the gun of your model. I mean, I know we're talking about breaking my reality and immersion of an eight foot tall genetically engineered super soldier. But if I've spent like a grand on my army and painted it up and taken it here and I have to look at you like sorting desk supplies on your army, it kind of breaks everything for me. The immersion? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, whereas with the squad marks, uh, there's a couple of reasons I really like those. Uh, one, uh, you're not limited. Like once you put them on, you can take them off again. So like if I want to go from running 20 pox walkers to two squads of 10, I can just take 10 of the, the squad marks off and I have two separate squads. And the other reason is uh, they are magnetic uh, on the underneath. And I for sure, I run uh, my case right now. I use the uh, the, the battle foam, the, the metal uh, trays. Um, and it makes transporting it really, really easy. Yeah, so pretty nice. And it does, it, man, it does help with that stuff a lot. Um, and it looks way better than loom bands or painting the rooms to your bases, I think. Yeah. Come up with some issues when trying to get squads super close together. But if your opponent gives you just a little bit of leeway with that, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And if your opponent doesn't give you any leeway over that, he's a dick. Yeah, they suck anyway. Yeah. Go too bad. <laughs> yeah i mean like it's like i think squad marks would be like the highest cost option out of everything here for sure um i think i just bought a hundred of their 25 millimeter uh squad marks for my pox walkers and it was like 60 bucks with shipping uh for that there which is 20 more pox walkers in like real world cost um but i know like danny ever since like i've known you you've just kind of rotated your guys around and that's worked great um I think the important thing to know is right now, especially when we're in, I think an addition of spam, not, not super spam, um, but obsec spam, um, troop spam. Like I like a lot of the, the lists that we're seeing doing really well have a lot of the same thing. The important thing is, is to be able to differentiate between the squads. Um, Cause otherwise you might unintentionally cheat. And you wouldn't want to do that. Nope. And it's never intentional, but if you have, like, for me, my new list has, like, 13 Death Shroud in it, and if they're all in the same area, and I don't know what squad is which, then that just adds to game time, that adds to confusion, takes away from the fun feelings. So, separate your squads. How do you guys do it? Squad Marks, you want to give us some free stuff? Uh, well, we'll talk nice about you. I don't mind. Um, and then Loom Bands. We'll even do it for free, but, you know, if you want to send us something. Yeah. Maybe some 28 millimeter squad marks for Danny's flayed ones. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Uh, and then loom bands. If you want to send Danny loom bands to his personal mail address, we'll put that in the show notes. I will throw them right in the trash. You know what? Better than that, I'm just going to go to a sea turtle exhibit. <laughs> if you send me loom bands, I will kill a sea turtle. I promise. <laughs> Not even with loom bands, just out of pure spite and hate. I'll jump in there and I'll choke him. I, I'll do it. I'm not afraid. I'm really good at swimming. I can totally catch him. Hey, we, we have some other game-based stuff to talk about here. We're all kind of full of useful information here, uh, like how to mark your units apart, uh, how to murder small uh, ocean mammals that have done literally nothing to hurt you. A turtle is not a mammal, John. <laughs> Shows how much you know. 
In the grim darkness of the far future, there are only mammals. And this is a Warhammer 40,000 podcast. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Sorry, I forgot my lore. For <laughs> yeah, the turtle lore is real important. It's part of the fifth phase expansion. Um, unit spotlight. Uh, something we've been wanting to do for a while as well here and kind of throwing out here is kind of spotlighting a unit uh, from a random unit from a random army uh, to really talk about how they work in the game, what their benefit is, why you would even take it. And maybe some drawbacks of this. Uh, the first one we're going to pick on uh, is in no way random. Uh, it kind of really falls into uh, the kill team box. It's heavy intercessors. It's more primary space marines. It is. I keep cutting Danny off by talking because we. Just go ahead, John. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, was gonna, I like where we had to switch to a different uh, chat program. Uh, so, like, I, I look at Danny's uh, wonderful mouth move and nothing comes out because I'm talking, uh, which I sort of like a little bit. But, yeah, um, Heavy Intercessors, the latest Primaris troop to come, um, the latest uh, update to the Space Marines, uh, the the latest troop choice for Space Marines, too. Danny, uh, why don't you use your infinite wisdom? Uh, tell us about Heavy Intercessors. Uh, so, I really like Heavy Intercessors in general. Um, they have really kind of... For eight more points over a standard intercessor, um, you get a minor gun, um, you get toughness five, and an extra. Uh, plus, you're going to get the gravis keyword, which is important. Um, that means you can do things uh, like use, or mark 10 gravis, sorry. Um, like you can use uh, the stratagem on yielding in the face of the foe to give themselves plus one uh, to their saves against one damage attacks, um, which can be really nice. Um, they, they're also not many Marines, so you can transhuman them, um, which means you can only win them on a four plus, but toughness five goes a long way in making sure they're pretty resistant to small arms fire. Um, their guns pretty great. They're basically copies of the, uh, of the guns, the regular intercessors have, they have, um, the, uh, executor bolt rifle is the same as the stalker pattern bolt rifle, but basically the difference is they get plus one strength and six inches of range um, to the gun. So the heavy bolt rifle is 36 inches rapid fire, one strength five minus one. Executor is 42 inch range, strength five, heavy one, strength five minus two, two damage. And then the Hellstorm bolt rifle is the same as the assault bolter, which is assault three, 30 inches, strength five, no AP, one damage. Um, so I quite like the Hellstorm bolt rifle if I had to pick one. Um, like a squad of five guys gets to put out 15 shots at 30 inches. <laughs> and so in tactical doctrine, like they're at minus one AP as well. Um, so they actually do just put out a lot of firepower for just even standing around or uh, uh, like holding an objective They're Or if you want to advance with them, they can still fire their gun and still get 15 shots hitting on fours instead of threes. So do you see them more kind of like a a midfield role where they're kind of advancing, holding center stuff? Or are they more of like a backfield objective holder for you? Well, so to me, I feel like I want maybe want to do both things with them. Um, And it depends on your opponent. Like against pretty squishy opponents, they're tough enough that they can kind of wait up and against firepower, especially if they have support. Uh, Like if they're Dark Angels and they have like Oh, like a uh, like uh, Asriel hanging around, giving them a four plus invulnerable save, um, and the apothecary giving them a six up feeling the pain and resurrecting a twenty eight point model is a pretty good um, exchange on investment. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just think they're they're a pretty decent mid-table unit, but they can also be a great backfield objective holder. I just feel like maybe there are a few too many points to do that super effectively. Um, 140 points for a five-man squad is not super cheap. Um, like, I wouldn't want to take more than 10 heavy intercessors in, a, in, a, in my army unless I was really going to spam them. So take like 30 or 40 of them. Which um, is something you're obviously planning on doing. I mean, maybe at some point when they're a little bit less expensive and more readily available. Like $80 uh, for five isn't... That's like the going rate on eBay is like 80 bucks for five, so which is crazy. Uh, so, uh, so, so they do all these great things, right? So they um, give you a little bit of flexibility. They can hold the back. They can move up to the middle, depending, like opponent depending. Where do they suffer where you might want to just take like regular intercessors? Close combat, they're a little, they're less efficient because they still have the same attacks and weapon skill that a normal intercessor does. Um, and the sergeant can't take like a chainsword or anything like that, so or a close combat weapon. Um, so they're kind of limited in that capacity. I mean, a squad of 10 is still gets 30 attacks on the charge, right? So it's still a lot of attacks, and you can make them minus one through assault doctrine. But it's just it's not really effective for what their points are for you to be, for you to be doing that kind of thing. I think. So you're pulling up to the table. You see your regular opponent is pulling out these heavy intercessors. You've never seen them before. Um, what is the, how do you deal with them? What is your best bet to kind of take them off the table? Um, there are some people who don't play space Marines, I think. Um, so how would you deal with heavy intercessors? Losers, maybe. Uh, it's fair. Um, so I'd want to shoot them with, I mean, obviously, I want to fire multi-damage weapons at them, um, but I want to be selective about this. So I want to make them use transhuman on a unit when I like when I select one powerful shooting unit and maybe waste that firepower on them, and then select a different unit of gravis potentially to concentrate on. If they only have one squad of gravis armored guys, then that becomes a lot more difficult um, because you don't really get a choice, and they can kind of really stack on the stratagems on that one unit, uh, which is pretty nasty. Um, but locking them up in close combat with a horde is probably not a terrible idea. Like they'll cut through eventually, but you'll definitely buy yourself some turns. Um, you got to watch out for dark angels once though, because they can shoot into combat in assault doctrine or not assault doctrine, but, uh, tactical doctrine. Um, so like they can still shoot like, you know, 20 or 30 shots into combat against you even hit, and they hit on force. Um, and they could be full rerolls from like chapter master. So, like, there's definitely some things that they can do there to, like, knock themselves back out of combat. Um, but, you know, just be aware that they're there. Um, if you can, concentrate firepower, especially try and lock them up with hordes. I think that's a good way to go. Or something really tough, like a Dreadnought or something like that, um, that they'll have to fall back from in order to do anything. They, they just can't afford to stay in combat with him. Something that does three flat damage on its close combat attacks is obviously going to be ideal. So you already mentioned Dark Angels having intercessors being like really good. What are some other chapters that are going to really benefit from these new troop choices? I think Scars makes for some interesting play because they can advance and still fire the assault bolters uh, at full effectiveness, um, which is pretty annoying considering that they're kind of their limitation is movement five. Um, so just being able to advance and move them like, you know, eight or nine inches a turn for free with no penalty is pretty great. Um, I think, uh, Oh, let's see. What other ones are pretty are pretty nice? Uh, Ironies are probably not terrible. Um, just getting the native six up field no pain means you don't have to have a, an apothecary around to babysit them. 
because um, they're always going to get that. Um, they're cool in Death Watch. Uh, Death Watch definitely want to take them because that allows them access to like the heavy kill team that they have, the Gravis Armor kill team, which is them, Aggressors, I Inceptors, um, and uh, Eradicators. So, like, they help form the backbone of that and can make those units obsec. So they're going to be important for Death Watch players to have, like, at least a unit, maybe maybe several units, depending on what they're taking. Like, it's a way that you can get that 25 Inceptor army that, that Death Watch can run. Nice. Army? No one does. No. No, no one plays Death Watch. <laughs> and then, uh, what else? Uh, Space Wolves don't really care. Blood Angels don't really care. Um... Imperial Fists, they can be cool as Imperial Fists, like getting sixes exploding um, with all their bolt weapons. Uh, there could be some nasty stuff going on there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't think Templars care. Um, Salamanders, they're probably fine in Salamanders. You could do a bunch of bonuses to make them tougher um, and wound a little bit better. Uh, they can wound a knight on fours. That's kind of cool with Salamanders, with the like with all their bolter weapons, which is pretty neat. Nice. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a generic rundown of all the different chapters that can take. All the ones that matter. Oh, yeah, they're good with ultramarines. That's a given. That, that, that is a given. Uh, so, yeah, that's Heavy Intercessors, a great new option for your Space Marine armies. Uh, available soon, probably, maybe. Uh, Texas-dependent and uh, stalking-dependent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to be uh, back after this advert. Uh, we have another new segment we're going to be trying out, which I think we're going to expand more with uh, our next guest and our next episode here. Um, but I'm going to pose um, our guest, or in this case, Danny, a question. And I'm going to make randomly decide whether he agrees with it or not. He's going to have to passionately argue uh, whether it is true or false, uh, based purely on chance. <sighs> Dude, I'm the best. I took first place at another tournament. First off, stop with the thunder and lightning. You don't impress me. And second, let me check out the BCP rankings. And I don't see you on there. What? Your TO needs to download the Best Coast Pairings app and run events on it. After the event, the results are uploaded into BCP rankings. And the best part, it's easy and free. But I play multiple game system. No big deal. The BCP app can be used for any game. A ton of events every weekend are using it, from major international tournaments to local stores. And now that it's available on Android devices, you're going to have some serious competition. There can be only one. BCP Rankings is a fun and exciting way to measure how you or your team stack up. No matter what you play, your score goes to an overall ranking. Or compete to be the best in a game, a circuit, a region, or the world. Download the app or visit www.bestcoastpairings.com for more info. Best Coast Pairings. Are you the best? Just re-record the damn three seconds of sentence it would take. I know. Ugh. We're, we're still recording. I just wanted everyone to know that to this day, it, it like irritates me every time. Um, so yeah, in this as of yet unnamed segment, I'm going to pose a question to uh, everyone on the podcast here. And through the use of yesnobutton.com, we're going to figure out whether um, we're going to agree with the statement. We're going to tell me why. Or we're going to disagree with the statement and tell me why. Uh, you understand the rules, Danny? Sorry, so I need to go to yesnobutton.com? Uh, no, no. I will tell you what's yes and what is no. Oh, okay. 
I just wanted to plug the website, see if we could get like another quick sponsor in there. Um, so the question I'm posing this week is, can the best player running the worst army beat the worst player playing the best army? Okay. And Danny, you have to tell me why that is not true. So what you're trying to tell me is that the best player running the worst army cannot beat the worst player running the best army. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess, like, to baseline this here, what would be the best army right now? What's No, all right. So I think that this is pretty self-evident in a lot of ways. Um, like, some armies are designed so poorly uh, or have been designed such a long time ago that either there is legitimate codex creep where they just can't possibly keep up um, or there are so many deficiencies that the book has, like it just doesn't work in the new edition. This happened a lot previously when Games Workshop would write books for one edition and then port them into the next one. They didn't quite work anymore um, because of basic rules changes to the game. Hey, Orcs in 6th edition. <laughs> yeah, they had some pretty weird rules because of that. Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, I think it's true to, uh, to a degree. Um Actually, no, no. I think it's pretty true. Uh, it's it's true a lot of times. Um, I don't know that that's the case in the game right now, um, but uh, I think it, it definitely you put yourself at a significant disadvantage when you play with an army that was designed poorly for this this edition. Like I think Tau is the worst army right now in the game, probably. Um, not probably. They are the worst army in the game. For so. I would say, what makes Tau so bad right now? Like, is it just the way they play to the objectives or they don't fire well? Because, I mean, you have an army that is, like, high mobility. Um, they have, like, a lot of weird shenanigans. What makes them so bad? Well, they lost all their shenanigans, right? Because they lost the ability to fly out of combat and still shoot. So it made all of the suits, like, legitimately terrible. Like, they shoot really well, but as soon as you touch them, like, that's it. And they're not vehicles, so they can't shoot into combat. If they could do something like that, then there might be like, okay, this is not terrible, um, but they can't even do that. So they, and they have no real ways to, they have no real way to fall back and still fire. So again, as soon as you touch stuff, like it's locked up. Now riptides can shoot into combat, um, which is neat, I guess, but it's a lot worse than them just being able to like peace out and shoot you again way on their way, like stepping backwards. Um, so that would, I, the, the fly change is the biggest change that's hurt them. Um, also a smaller board size hurts them a lot since they are the quintessential ranged army. Um, having somebody be able to start closer to them and assault them more readily, especially since they have to take the mid table now, um, is makes it a really rough time for Tau. Um, so who's a really hard matchup for Tau uh, at this point? Sure. Uh, like white scars, um, or, uh, dark angels would probably be pretty rough. I think. Um, just because they can still get mostly like a lot of two plus or three plus saves against all of the tower shooting. Um, let's see what else. Oh, and, and of course, wound modifier manipulation with basically no recourse on the part of the tower is pretty harsh. Um, so, and scars can turn off overwatch and are super fast and can assault through out of cover and things like that, where the tower can't really deal with them and the Marines. So they're just tough enough that they can kind of weather a little bit of firepower. So, Imagine, if you will, uh, you are a, a top 150 player in the ITC. Yep. Um, 
how what tau list do you construct for this edition to try and kind of like circumvent some of these issues um are you like speed blocking with a bunch of crew and then hoping that the rest happens or no i'm definitely not speed blocking with crew i do not want a unit that can get wrapped and then i have to spend command points on falling back out of combat um I probably would have lots of small units of fire warriors in transports. Um, I think that would be the start to my list. I think broadsides are very good because their effectiveness basically has remained completely unchanged, um, except they got better because they can move and fire their heavy weapons without penalty. Um, so that's pretty nice. And the, the, the no stacking penalties is pretty good for Tau. Um, as well, because they have an easy way to get like plus one to hit, and that counters that counteracts a lot of the minuses. And people aren't building lists that have like a ton of minuses in them anymore either. Um, so I think that quite helps them too. Um, yeah, so a lot of firewall units, broadside units, uh, maybe some transports. Uh, I like Pathfinders. I like Tetras. Those are both good units. Uh, Tetras, of course, being a Forge World little little buggy thing that can shoot three marker lights, um, which is pretty nice. Um, what else? Uh, I don't really like the other tanks very much. I just want to. I just want some tanks to be able to protect my units. I think one unit, uh, one unit or two units of crisis suits is okay, um, but I think you want to use them as kind of a screen and don't really care if they get to shoot or not. Um, I think that is the best way to use that unit. Um, like stack them with flamers, or maybe just come down for a real blast with some cyclic ion blasters. Um, something like that, and then as many as many commanders as you can fit in your list. I still think you want to take three or six commanders if you're playing uh, Farside Enclaves. Um, I still think they're very good. So, LVO happens. It's tomorrow. Surprise. Um, there's very poor planning and advertising for this event. Uh, Richard Siegler walks up with his Tau army. Nick Nanavati jumps in front of him, cuts in line, if you will. <laughs> to play this Tau army against some random who is running optimized Dark Angel shenanigans that they have 40 to 50% of a clue of how to run. Who wins? Well, so the point that you randomly wrote for me that I have to argue is that Joe Schmo wins. Guy players. The what? The Joe Schmo wins. Yeah, I think Joe Schmo wins. I think if he half knows how to play his army well. I mean, that's... <laughs> but, like, uh, uh, I mean, I, yeah, so legitimately, um, and there's no, re I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and argue, like, for real that that's true because it's just fucking wrong. <laughs> you don't understand the game that I made up on the spot right now. No, no, I understand the game, that you, but, but like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I could argue with it if I really, really wanted to, but like, I have no, I have no heart in this argument. That's fair. It's real fair because it probably still won't happen. It's an argument. The argument is so bad. It's got so many fallacies. Like the game just doesn't work in that way anymore. Armies are way closer in power. Richard Siegler is going to mop the floor with this idiot. Uh, I'm sorry. Someone cut in line in front of that person. Uh, it is no longer uh, Richard Siegler. Nick Nottabody will probably lose because he's drunk. 
Um, I will say, like, this brings up an interesting point as well. Um, to, to your point, like, Joshua will probably still lose um, because army knowledge is, like, such a huge thing. And just knowing your book and how to play and all the stupid little weird tricks you can play. Yeah, so how about this? Like, if Joe Schmo is just a bad player, like, he makes bad decisions, but he knows how to play his army, I think he has a real shot. That's that's good. So, like, I will say that, and that, like, I think that, like, if you know half of it, that's that's pretty good. And and I think that uh, that kind of list has enough power um, that it could just, by dumb luck, like, you just can't beat it because you can't do enough to it. And I think, thankfully, we're at a point in the game where uh, that kind of dumb luck doesn't really happen anymore because there's nothing worse or more feels bad than training really hard, playing lots of games, being the best you you can be with your army, and losing to some asshole who's played three games but runs Dark Angels. Right. Or Iron Hands. Oh, yep. (laughs) Oh, man. Flashbacks right now. Holy cow. That's the worst. Um, that has been a, a moderately unsuccessful segment, uh, but we will be right back uh, to talk uh, wrapping things up because it's it's that time. Do you have multiple a wound, a standard bolt gun, having trouble maintaining an acceptable Xenos kill count, only barely over two meters tall? Maybe it's time to ask your lieutenant if the Rubicon Primaris is right for you. The Rubicon Primaris is a prescription process that helps you to update that tired look. You may notice an increase in your purging abilities after two to, within two to four hours. You may experience loss of life, additional organs, and a points increase. Do not take the Rubicon if you plan on fitting into rhinos, drop pods, or other traditional vehicles. The Rubicon Primaris is not intended for second founding chapters. The Rubicon Primaris is for use on genetically enhanced super soldiers over the age of 800 only. You are encouraged to report negative side effects to your company's apothecary. The Rubicon Primaris. Because sometimes plot armor is just not enough. It is not. And again, another flawless BCP style edit to that advert right there. Um, Danny, what else we got to say uh, in this? I mean, we've been doing a bunch of two-hour-plus episodes recently, and I kind of like this more compact uh, BS we've been doing. Hey, all right, let me say this. Sure. Um, I really want to build a Lumineth army. A Lumineth army, huh? I really want to do, like, a Lumineth army. I've been reading the book a lot, and, like, I, uh, I've i been looking at the models, so they're really, really cool. <laughs> they are. Um, I don't like really a lot of the animal shaped like people ones, but a lot of the newer ones like the kangaroo riders, um, the new repeater bolt thrower, man. Yeah. I'm hype on the repeater bolt thrower, dude. And the, like just the archers and the spearmen and the cavalry. I really like all that stuff. It looks like a fantasy army. Like I would expect, but maybe a monster or two is fine. Yes. No, it looks super good. So and we'll save that for our uh, Age of Sigmar show um, animosity check, I guess, would be the closest thing to mob rule. Yeah, we're going to call. <laughs> oh, man, that's a great name for a podcast, for an Age of Sigmar podcast. I really like that. <laughs> oh, man, that's super good. Um, but no, no, no. The new stuff they previewed recently is just so good. Mm-hmm. And it's like 3D printing, like on the rise, has just caused them to on purposely make the most complicated models possible 
Sure. Yeah. Like those kangaroo writers um, putting together those Attila and Jackals uh, for my Gene Stealer cult, where I'm like, why is this bike 17 pieces? And I'm like, oh, it's so they can put all of these weird little details on here. Dude, no kidding. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's super good. Yep. I built a lot of those bikes. I totally feel you. Um, uh, yeah. But man, what cool models, right? And I saw your bike. He looks super good. Dude, so um, like, I wanted the color scheme to be like, um, either rebels from Star Wars or prisoners from prison, so they're all gonna have like our orange jumpsuits. Is that a show? Prison? No, <laughs> but just like regular like prison jumpsuits, because um, I was gonna make them like escaped convicts and like grr, like burly like people. But then one of our patreons in our Discord said they called their gene stealer cult the legitimate mining company, and I'm like, that is the funniest thing I've heard. So. Totally legitimate mining company. Yeah, it was it was totally legitimate mining company. Uh, so ever since uh, my gene sealer cult is now called, um, oh shoot, what did I call it? Yeah, the Nautical Mining and Social Club. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so yeah, and I think I'm gonna try to work out a way because obviously my middle list I went around has like six ridge runners and a bunch of Goliaths. Oh, I want to like create like a nautical like logo, uh, like cyberpunk style and just put it on the side of all of the trucks and like create my own transfers to kind of put it on there. Cause yeah. You know, what'd be rad as if it was the gene stealer called symbol with like <laughs> X over it. Like, <laughs> yeah, just legitimately. Like I imagine them all to be like, um, the, the villagers from hot fuzz. Yeah, totally. That's exactly right. Yeah. That is my, my gene stealer call. And that's why. And I think, like, <laughs> I was like, well, people, so like, yeah, I, I won the little RTT we held, um, or you held, and like, people are like, oh, what are you going to do now that you can't fall back on, like, just saying that you suck ass all the time, and I'm like, I'm going to start a gene stealer cult army, so I have an excuse again. Um, Where is really, like, the reasoning is like, one, I was like, looking at models, and I'm like, man, these models are all really cool. Um, And then the other main part was, I want to exercise a different gaming muscle. So uh, with my death guard, I get to exercise like aura ranges, um, toughness, kind of moving forward and just being there and existing and how to make them as tough as possible. Um, my feeling is with Gene Stealer Cult, um, I will learn how to hide better, how to use movement shenanigans uh, and kind of different things like that. Things I wouldn't learn necessarily playing Death Guard, but that are going to make me a better player overall. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good. It's like, yeah, it'll focus more on movement and uh, model placement. Yep. And, like, one of the cool things I saw is there, were, <laughs> there was a stratagem the bikers have, the, like, demolition, like, or hit and run or some shit like that, where, like, it's it's based on... The idea is that you drive up, you throw your charges, and then you can fire and fade away. But in no point in that stratagem does it say you have to throw demolition charges. It just says you move again after shooting. Yeah. So, like, uh, someone asked me why I didn't give anyone demolition charges. I'm like, well, they're, they're kind of there to exist and move really far up the table for one CP. Um, you can block people off. Yep. Stuff that can be really annoying. So just to be super annoying, uh, like like myself, that is what that army is there to to, to do. Uh, the Nauticults. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! What else you got, Danny? 
Uh, I think that's about about it for me. Um, oh, I'm gonna play in a TTS league. Did I already talk about that? I think you said you were going to, but I don't think you provided more details. I think I'm gonna play Dark Angels. I'm not exactly sure of my list. I was talking to Ennis about my list a little bit earlier. Um, he made some interesting suggestions. I'm gonna play a test game this weekend with it and see how I like it, and then I'll move on from there. Both lists, though, it seems like I have pretty much all the models for it, which is really nice. Nice. Excited about that. So you'll see if it works and then uh, punish us all with it. Absolutely. That is exactly what I'm intending to do. Heck yeah. Hey, do you have uh, three Goliath trucks? Do I have three Goliath trucks? Yeah. No, I sold all of my Gene Steeler cult to Taylor and I had no Goliath trucks. Oh, because yeah, Taylor's like, I have your entire list apart from three Goliath trucks. And like, who do I ask apart from the guy who has every army? Well, yeah, he must have bought his own Goliath trucks, but uh, he already has three, I think, because I played against three that he had before. Yeah, I need six. I went real, real hard for this one. (laughs) Well, we're going to be back in two weeks um, uh, to talk about on the 20th. Uh, probably you have another guest on for another interview. The way I see it going, if we can get everything logged down, it'll be very little 40 K on that podcast. Um, but lots of, uh, sides, lots of adjacent conversation and lots of shit talking. Yeah. And you can find those, that kind of, uh, adjacent, adjacent talk and shit on all the, on all the podcasts that are part of the rogue trader network. Um, Good call. <laughs> Uh, including uh, other such fine podcasts as the Dangly Boys, uh, the High Lords of Terra, and also the NZ40 Cabal. So, yeah. uh, yep, and also if you like adjacent conversation, um, Rob, Val, and uh, Falcon uh, do 40k Jason every week, uh, where they just kind of bullshit. Man, that's a great show. Have you listened to that? I have. Um, uh, <laughs> I would love to get Rob on here one day, if not to continually embarrass myself. Uh, for my one Rob story where I saw he was in attendance at LVO 2018, uh-huh. I want to say. Um, and then I was in no way sober and whatsoever. Saw he was there. Saw I he followed me on Twitter. Um, so I messaged him, do you have Horace Heresy book eight? <laughs> Of course, um, a part of the Warhammer community team would have zero idea what that is. So I imagine them looking at me like, the fuck? No, whatever. Um, true story. Uh, I bought that book several months later, and it is still in the shrink wrap. Uh, so it was very important. So important. Oh, man. No, that's great. He is... Okay, so I... I generally like his podcast, but man, he does get really salty uh, at GW quite often. <laughs> Probably because random drunk assholes ask him if they have books for game systems that aren't played anymore. I mean, yeah, you can't really blame him. Uh, thanks, John, for ruining him for everyone else. <laughs> Sorry to ruin him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we are going to call that. We'll be back in two weeks for something or other. Uh, maybe even have some video stuff up by then, too. Um, for Mob Rules, I've been John. I've been Danny. And we'll see you next time.
Hey, we're still rolling. I just want to add this in at the end for those who listen all the way. Um, my other uh, embarrassing story uh, from LVO uh, was we were a part of the registration line. And I walk up and it's the guys from the, oh, what's that podcast called? Um, uh, Independent Carriage talks about a lot. I think it's part of FLG. Um, Signals from the front line? No, no, it's a comedy one. Um, it's the guys who do the, the BCP ad life after the cover. Yes. It was the guys from life after the cover save who were at the registration table. Um, and I walk up, uh, we have, uh, I think at this point been drinking for 14 hours, uh, from flights and stuff like that. And I, uh, drunk whisper. So yell into the guy's face, my name and, and, and information. He's like, like, dude, you know, you're spitting on me, right? And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm drunk. But then continue to spit on him more um, <laughs> as he pushed me away. <laughs> they put, he pushed you away? Well, he, he quickly kind of shooed me away as the next person came in. Um, but yeah, that was uh, my introduction uh, of Mob Rules to the uh, podcast community at large. <laughs> Thanks, John. You're welcome. <laughs>